Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. You yeah, yeah. already know what time it is. Time it is. It's that official time. When we take this worldwide. So now it's time to turn it up Surf the radio waves as we begin to burn it up We all up in your area like landscape Definitely bringing you the power slam and pancakes It's a mandate that you tune in It's time to move out so we can move in And recognize that this is no illusion I'm here to clear the air so that there is no confusion It all started off in the book of Genesis When Jacob was wrestling with who he thought was his nemesis And when the man saw he couldn't overpower him He touched his hip but he really couldn't have devoured him And from that point then we hear a name change Rearrange the game so now we gotta change uh, so I'm here to let you know it's time to listen to the Pancake and Power Slam show. Let's go! Turn it up, turn it up, it's the Pancake and Power Slam. Turn it up, turn it up, it's the Pancake and Power Slam. Turn it up, turn it up, it's the Pancake and Power Slam show. Uh. Turn it up, turn it up, it's the Pancake and Power Slam. Turn it up, turn it up, it's the Pancake and Power Slam. Turn it up, turn it up, it's the Pancake and Power Slam show. Uh. Turn it up. Episode 191, and it's the Pancakes and Power Slam show. Indeed, 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 we are living and living, color getting funky like a monkey, if you will. It is always a great time to spend with you all on Tuesday evenings. Got a couple announcements uh, on the map for tonight. Uh, that uh, we're going to let you know about, and I'm very excited about that. Just continuing to bring in the best that you can ever possibly think of when it comes to quality, quality, quality entertainment. So that's what I'm really, really excited about. So it's going to be a great time tonight. And, of course, we got SummerSlam. we got some some SummerSlam stuff going on. we got some Raw stuff going on, as always. Special shout-out to Davari for a wonderful interview last week. Very uh, thankful for him spending time with us. It was a, an awesome interview. Got some, some great reviews uh, for the interview. And um, just continuing to bring in the best quality interviews, the Pancakes and Power Slam show you could possibly have. And, of course, uh, on WAWNation.com and also on blogtalkradio.com. I have a, uh, in case you missed it, uh, the article is right there for your eyes. Uh, The Sports Illustrated article is uh, right there and ready for you to look at. And 
We are going to have a whole lot of fun, as always. Of course, we got a bunch of trivia. Uh, summer, we, we got some some Survivor Series exclusive trivia tonight. So we're going to have a lot of fun. Let's start off with who did the Hulkamaniacs defeat at Survivor Series 1989? Who did the Hulkamaniacs defeat at Survivor Series 1989? Yeah, you got to go all the way back to 1989 for this one. And uh, see, picture thinking caps on. Shouldn't be too difficult. Um, but you know, you can always, <laughs> you can always know who your, who your scholars are by, you know, coming right out the gate with, with questions like this and seeing if, uh, someone knows about it. So, uh, as a matter of fact, let's see if, uh, Derek knows it. Derek, you know, Hulkamaniacs, who did they defeat at Survivor Series 89? Uh, they defeated, uh, the, um, it was a great team. A wonderful, absolute wonderful. I can't think off the top of my head. Yeah, me too quick. I got this. I don't want to know the answer yet, though. I got to sit and ponder it. But, Fair uh, enough. Fair enough. Uh, it was a very popular team, um, and it was led by a former tag team champion. This person is in the Hall of Fame, but he never won any official singles titles in his run in the WWE. Interestingly enough, is he's one of the best heels of all time, but he never won an official singles title in his run in the WWE. Yeah, absolutely. And what was his team called? The Million Dollar something, probably. Million Dollar Team, I want to say. There you go. That's million Dollar Team. Absolutely. I knew that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I believe you. Uh, I, I, I believe you. Uh, it was Ted DiBiase, The Powers of Pain, and Zeus. Those were the members of the Million Dollar Team. Next question. Who retained the European Championship at Survivor Series 2000? Who retained the European Championship at Survivor Series 2000? Of course, WAWNation.com, live stream there, of course, Facebook, and, of course, Twitter, at Crave Wrestling. Those are the streams of entertainment there. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's get into, let's get into Survivor Series, um, and we also, uh, we'll do the announcement to the top of the hour we got some really, really exciting interviews coming up uh, in December. So I, it's just going to be exciting. Uh, it's going to be a great time. I'm really, really excited about it, and we're going to have a blast. All right, ladies and gentlemen. And, and last last week, I said it in passing, um, but I want to spend some more time uh, just talking about the oh man, the, the tragedy. Uh, of the Paris attacks and and you know it's it's one of those things where the United States is the the the, the biggest most powerful entity 
in all of uh, of the of all of the world and you know it's 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 up for people like us to stand up and to show uh everyone how uh powerful we are as a country and how we you know can powerfully and unanimously unanimously represent unity and strength and it, i just wholeheartedly believe it is our duty as Americans to to, to represent in that way. Uh, so with all the uh, unfortunate, unfortunate happenings uh, in Paris with the attacks, um, you know, it's even if you were living under a rock, you you would you would know and be familiar with what's been going on the past week uh, and two weeks rather. And so we want to spend some time right now. Uh, to do to have a moment of silence for those victims uh, in Paris, and also um, we'll have another another moment of silence uh, coming up after this one. So, just a, a moment of silence for those victims in Paris, and just our our prayers are with the the families and and, and friends and victims of the Paris attacks. All right. <clears throat> Secondly, we lost the legend uh, last week. Uh, it was announced former AWA champion Nick Bockwinkle. Just, I, in, in my opinion, one of the best heels that we have ever seen, ever. Just uh, such an amazing, amazing heel that we had in Nick Bockwinkle. And just the ability for him to... Just be such a, a prominent name for so long in his career, and you know to be managed by Bobby Heenan, one of one of Bobby Heenan's greatest prodigy or greatest uh, just uh, people he managed, one of Bobby Heenan's best, um, uh, I guess, uh, wrestlers managed by him, and just uh, he really, really. May he really, really elevated the career of Nick Bockwinkle and just how was he, how he, how he was able to just uh, towards the twilight of his career. Really, I mean, now nowadays, you know, when someone's forty years old, you know, that's that's reaching toward the end of their career. And uh, but Bockwinkle was able to really start to flourish, you know, as a singles wrestler in the AWA. Uh, at, at around that age, and you know, just really make a name for himself in the AWA. You know, really in his forties, and and just really have an opportunity to hone his craft for so long. And I mean, when you think of AWA, you know, second to Vern Gagne, you're you're you know Nick Bockwinkle. Nick Bockwinkle is right up there. So you know, Hall of Famer, well deserved. So with that being said. A moment of silence for Nick Bockwinkle. All right, special special kudos to Bockwinkle, man. He, Derek, he was such an amazing heel. Uh, yeah, I totally agree. And a lot of heels nowadays, or at least maybe back in the '90s, would uh, really hone their craft after Nick Bockwinkle. Said coming up in the AWA, you think of Vern Gagne, but Nick Bockwinkle was probably the best heel ever had. So, I mean, honestly, I mean, the guy just 
he was a master of all trades. Like you said, he was in his 40s when he was really, like, in his prime and just being who he is. So, like, the sneaky, slippery villain, you know, feuding with Hennig, and you, know, you had all kinds of people. There's a Bisco was in the fold, Ric Flair. I mean, he's just Hogan. He's been all over the He's a man's man. Yep. Yep, Hogan was uh, – Hogan's feud with Nick Bockwinkle really put him on the map, you know, as far as um, – uh, I, I top babyface and in his in early eighties, eighty two, eighty three, uh, is, is when he was feuded with Blackwinkle and yeah, it just really put him on the map as one of the top babyfaces and he he really elevated he he really elevated the art uh, of being a heel and 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 having those babyfaces become so over be so over you know as babyfaces. Because he was such a strong heel, you know. I remember Chris Jericho saying it, you know, so many times. You know, for every good face, you know, there has to be a good heel. And Bachwinkle was that good heel. He 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 just he just was that. He fit the mold to a T of being such a great heel and just elevating the babyface and elevating the babyface character. Um, you know, to be that savior, you know, so to speak, of of whatever that angle is or, you know, of the Federation, he had that opportunity, you know, he had that ability to use his heelish tactics to, to really elevate the, uh, the, the baby faces. Awesome um, tributes here at the WAW Nation, uh, uh, WAW Nation uh, chat room there uh, with that <laughs> insanely huge... Uh, AWA championship. <laughs> so <laughs> that is uh, very interesting. That's, uh, that 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 belt is just hilarious. It just it just really is. Um, it, it's 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 legendary. It's such a legendary championship, and it was so huge. <laughs> but I would definitely love to to I have I have some. Um, I have a couple of uh, World Heavyweight Championships. I have the uh, Big Gold Belt, and I have the Attitude Era World Championship. And I definitely would like to have the AWA World Heavyweight Championship in my collection, just because of the prestige of it. And uh, and I and I one another championship that I won. I want the IWGP title. I actually really really like that title. That title is absolutely incredible. Um, just uh, just IWGP's championships period are just awesome. I just really like them. The Intercontinental Championship is basically a similar similar make to the World Championship, but the World Championship is uh, has a black strap, and the Intercontinental Championship, similar to the WWE's version of the Intercontinental Championship, has a a white strap to it. So awesome, awesome. Uh, we got a comment here. We always like the old U.S. Championship belt. Um, whoever made that comment, clarify if you have a if you have a picture, you know, feel free to uh, show it. Uh, I, I I was a fan of the NWA version. Um, I like the WCW version too, the one that Luger had um, in the early '90s when he was feuding against like Steamboat. Uh, I liked I liked that one. It was pretty pretty awesome. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Survivor Series start off with the pre-show. It was Goldust, the Dudley Boys, Titus O'Neil, 
And um, yeah, the Gold Dust, the Dudleys, uh, and Titus O'Neil defeating the Ascension, Stardust, Bo Dallas, and the Miz. And also Neville was on that babyface team too. Um, as a matter of fact, he was the only one that was eliminated. So I don't necessarily know why he was the only one eliminated on the babyface team. Uh, maybe because they wanted to kind of show that the heel team had a shot, possibly. But, uh, yeah, I just wouldn't want to be that guy. I wouldn't want to be the guy in the with the, you know, four people survive and I'm the only one that uh, is eliminated uh, on the team. But, you know, it was a very interesting, uh, it, was, it was a very interesting opener. Uh, it was a, it was the return of gold dust. So, you know, it was, it was a good opener. It was, it was a good way to kind of wet our appetite for the traditional feel for Survivor Series, I'm all, I'm you know, I'm always a big fan of just that five on four on four or five on five traditional feel, and yeah, I'm just, I, I liked it in, in that sense, and it was good to see Goldust back. You know, I really think you know with the recent release of uh, Billy Gunn, we haven't talked much about that, but uh, tested positive for some PEDs, and so. He uh, got canned as a trainer for uh, the um, the the training center, the development uh, center, and you know there's a bunch of if you if you have the network you'll watch you know you can watch Breaking Ground and all these shows to show that you know they have uh, such a fiery and 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 hungry breed of talent that are uh, you know spending days and days and weeks and weeks and months in the performance center. And uh Billy Gunn is one of those trainers, head trainer is uh Matt Bloom or, or Albert Tensai, A Train or whoever whatever you want to call him. But uh Billy Gunn was one of those one of those uh trainers and I think that Goldust would be a perfect, perfect fit uh to replace Billy Gunn in that in that sense. And next time I do it tough enough, I think that uh, Goldust would would be a very very good person to incorporate in that as far as the training is concerned too, because he's such a fluid. He's he's really one of the most fluid workers, especially for being you know for being six 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 seven, such a tall guy, you know, still keeping himself in shape, you know, has such a, a he you know. When you think of second chance wrestlers, you know, you, you you look at movies like The Wrestler and, and things like that, Goldust is really that second chance guy and just lost a lot of weight, got himself in great shape and just kept himself in good shape. And just really, you know, won the tag team titles and, you know, just really still at, at – I think he's what 47 or now he's pushing 50 I think he's around 47 now and having that ability that almost 50 years old still being one of the best fluid wrestlers in the in the entire roster you know he's 46 he'll be 47 in April and you know pushing 47 years old Still having the ability to wrestle the way that he does is just absolutely incredible. So I, I give him major kudos, and I definitely think, like I said, he'll he'd be a perfect, perfect addition to 
the training team. I totally agree. I mean, we talk on here all the time. I mean, Gold Dust is an absolute phenomenon. I mean, the guy, like you said, he's so fluid, and he wrestles. He's in there like Dolph Ziggler or just like anybody else. He doesn't miss a beat. I mean, he's just one of those. Who would have thought that Gold Dust would still be around today? I mean, that's awesome to say. I'm glad he came back. But as far as you know, the training, he knows as much as anybody else knows in the business. He's been around it so long. His dad being the biggest legends of all time so i mean the guy's just a total wealth of knowledge would do awesome on wwe tv for tough enough and just being in the performance center period or on nxt i mean the guy there's no reason he shouldn't be employed by the wwe you know 10 20 years from now i mean he's just that awesome at what he does so i mean hats off the gold dust and you know, i'm glad that we spent a few minutes to talk about the uh almighty dustin Rhodes. Yeah, that's right. that's right. Well, they call him the natural. Yeah, I <laughs> he's he's got you know what's so funny about uh, Dustin Rhodes Goldust? He really has been in a business for so long that he he has enough to have a a a really nice poignant DVD made uh, from him, and you know WWE has all the footage to to put together a really good. A really good DVD. He's been wrestling for nearly 30 years, so you know, with with that, he started young. He, you know, of course, being a Rhodes, he was just right. In, he was he was just made for the business, and uh, he definitely has a um, a lot of a lot of interesting um, footage that that he can have. Speaking of gold dust, let's have let's have a, a gold dust. Uh, Goldust question: What year, what Survivor Series did Goldust debut? What Survivor Series did Goldust debut? All right, uh, and uh, William Regal is the correct answer. Great job, William Regal is indeed the correct answer. Again, what Survivor Series did he debut? And what and who was his opponent? What Survivor Series did he debut, and who was his opponent? Next, we start off with Roman Reigns against the Alberto Del Rio, and this is something that I really, really liked. This was a really awesome, awesome um, match, and it was. I, I knew that. See, here's the thing with here's the thing with Del Rio. Del Rio's a very good hand. He, he's a, he's a very solid worker. He's always been a very very solid worker, and I'm and and I, I I love that. But he just gets stuck in the most ridiculous and irrelevant and pointless. Just he 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 gets he gets stuck in the most just. Stupidest angles and, and and gimmicks that he possibly can. I mean, somebody who can be somebody who has the potential to be such an amazing worker, such a staple in the WWE. Just he just really gets a bad uh, opportunities and just this Mex America. And you know what's so funny about how bad this Mex America crap is. When he won the univ- when he won the United States Championship, he renamed it the Mex American Heavyweight Champion. 
heavyweight championship. However, when he's vying for the world heavyweight championship, he's saying that I'll be the first ever world Mex-American champion. So that's the same thing as saying I'll be the first world intercontinental or world United States champion. It just it doesn't make sense at all. I, I really don't understand this whole Mex-American thing. He, he He's a solid worker. Him and Roman Reigns actually, to me, it was the, it was the match of the night um, outside of just from a total, you know, start to finish. And we'll talk about Taker. And I, I wrote an article on WWE Nation about Taker saving Survivor Series. And we'll talk about that a little later. But just other, outside of Ambrose and Owens, which was a very good match, I thought that Roman Reigns and Del Rio was, you know, the match not if not tied or not the best match of the night just from a from from bell to bell. And it was really good just the, you know, countering from from um from finishes and things like that. It was a really really solid match and 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 being in feuds like that would just do nothing but help uh Roman Reigns. And I was a fan of it. Uh so yeah, it was it was a pretty good it was a pretty good match for the semifinals. Yeah, that was a great match. That whole Mex American thing is probably one of the dumbest things that WWE's ever come up with. There's two people that are in this movement and that's it. Nobody else cares. I mean it's absolutely ridiculous. They're desecrating the flags by tying them together or sewing them together. The whole thing is ridiculous, but the match, you know, as you mentioned, was Survivor Series. I was a legit, typical, great match that both Reigns and Alberto Rio can do. Let them feud for a while. Let something mm-hmm. come out of that. Him the champion. I mean, it was very good. It was refreshing. It was a good start to what would end up being one of the worst pay-per-views. So, I mean, it, it started on a good note, and uh, it just went south from there for the most part. But. Good feud. They should uh, keep this up for him. I agree. I, I uh, Will said I think it was a good start to a pay per view that, for the most part, went south, and, and it, you know, it just unfortunately did. Ambrose and Owens, like I said, it was a very good match as well. And, and the thing is, I think the reason why one of the reasons why Reigns and Del Rio was really good is because, you know, people knew it was going to be. A solid match, a decent match, but it, I think is I think it exceeded expectations. I still don't know why people have such low expectations towards Roman Reigns. He's starting to be a very he, he's starting. I think I think it's just people don't want to admit that he's officially above average, and it's and some he's an above average worker. He's far be he's far above average. Uh, he's borderline good. He's he's borderline a good worker. He's he's really approaching that that milestone, and and he's and he's doing it with passion and vigor, and he's doing it and he's doing it well, and he's doing it with with really really good maturity, and it, it exceeded expectations for many. Uh, Ambrose and Owens, it, that was already a highly expected. You know, good match, and it, and it met it. It met his expectations for sure. It it definitely didn't fall under the expectations, and 
just the you know ebbs and flows of that match was pretty good too. Just the the fireman the fireman's carry buster that uh, Amber, uh, that Owens does off the top ropes is is phenomenal. It's definitely a classic. And then of course you know dirty deeds you know countering and it was it was really good. It was a very very good match. And but the, here's the thing: it was predictable. And you know who who really thought? I was with a, a few of my colleagues, and you know, I said at that time I was I was about four four about a half a dozen of us, uh, yeah, about I think about a half a dozen of us, and I told each I told all of them I said you know who really thought that it was going to be anything different, and unanimously everybody said nobody, not me, not me, you know, it just everybody knew that it was going to be Reigns and Ambrose, so you know, I even put some interesting takes to what it could have been with, uh, you know, in my article on WAWNation.com, I said, you know, why not? You know, Ambrose and, and Owens and Alberto Del Rio, Owens, uh, Owens as Intercontinental Championship looks good. Uh, Del Rio as United States Champion doesn't. Why not? Why? How would it hurt? If both of the mid-card championships were up for grabs at Survivor Series, you know, this weekend, last Sunday, how? Why would it hurt? What you know? It it, it just Del Rio could have lost by disqualification. That would have moved Reigns up, you know, and you know Ambrose could have beat Owens and won the title, or Reigns could have beat. Del Rio for the title and came out United States champion but fell short to be world champion. It could have been a bunch of different scenarios that could have been that could have suspended our predictability factor and you know we we really could have been sitting there like well, I don't I'm not quite sure, you know, since the mid-card titles are up for grabs it might not be Reigns and Ambrose. They might not be both mid-card champions going into the, you know, uh, the finals. It, it would have done a good job suspending our our, our, our belief, suspending our predictability, because I would say 998 out of 1,000 people would have, predicted Ambrose and, and Reigns at the end and it was and it's and that's that's what I just didn't like you know there was nothing there was no stipulation added to it it just it was it was obvious we knew it was Ambrose Reigns yes they had two good matches leading to the finals but what difference would it make what difference did it really make if we knew they're going to be at the finals It really, it really wouldn't have made any difference at all. I really don't understand how you know it, it would have made sense uh, for them not, you know, to to be booked in the finals in that in that it's way. Like, so you go into it knowing what's going to happen. I mean, that's absolutely no fun at all. So I mean, it was almost taken away from the pay per view just for the fact that it was. You can't. You want to know what's going to happen, okay? Nobody saw that really Sheamus was going to come in money in the bank. You know, they kind of thought about it, but the predictability of the whole thing just took so much away from it. And, I mean, it's everybody's 
that's the buzz on the street as everybody knew what was going to happen at that Survivor Series as far as the the tournament finals go. So it, it don't do that to us WWE for the fact that we're too smart for that. We know what's going to happen. We're not ten year old kids, and it it takes away from it. And the the ratings on Raw showed that no one cares anymore. It was just so, yeah. and that's a shame for the talent that they have with Reigns and Ambrose. They deserve better than that. Yeah, I agree. And they need that. They need that staple person. They need that staple top guy to really kind of give them the reins. You know, I guess pun intended. <laughs> give them the ability to really kind of pass that threshold and be legit main event guys. I mean, you you see that. You've really seen that. Within pro wrestling history, you know, if you go back to the early 80s, Hulkamania wouldn't be Hulkamania without Andre the Giant. You know, he that was he really gave Hogan the torch. He passed the torch. Hogan, 93 was a torch passing moment. It really just blew Hulkamania through the roof. You see, with... Hogan and Savage, you know, WrestleMania uh, 4, you know, when, when Savage won the, the tournament. You know, that was Savage's breakaway, Savage's breakaway moment. And, you know, it was really a torch passing. And, of course, the Ultimate Warrior, that was a torch passing. You know, he didn't he really didn't stay down that long, but it was still a torch passing moment. You know, you see with uh, Rick, Ric Flair and Bret Hart, 92, that was a torch passing moment. That gave... Bret Hart, the opportunity to be a staple main eventer. You see with uh, uh, Hart and Michaels, you know, that was in 96. You know, Bret Hart gave him, it passed the torch to Shawn Michaels. He became a staple main event guy, you know, because of that. And, of course, you know, just the list goes on, just um, – just with with Rock and you know him having Rock and Austin and it just all these people passing the torch to the next person you know Rock and Austin with Jericho you know passing the torch to him and just you have these torch passing moments to for, for staple very legitimate staple guys and of course let's not forget Flair and Sting you know. You have these moments that, you know, these legitimate, concrete, staple main event guys are giving the nod to other main event, you know, the next main event guy or the next upper mid-carder to really cement him in the main event scene. And we don't have that. We we, we all, we, we just don't have that, unfortunately. And we need that. Uh, you know, hopefully... We could have had that. Hopefully, we're going to get that with Cena versus Reigns at WrestleMania. I really, I'm really pushing for that. I wrote an article on Bleach Report, uh, uh, probably I think I think early this year or late last year, about two matches that should have been main event of of Royal uh, of WrestleMania, and one of those matches was. A non-title match between John Cena and Roman Reigns because it would have been a passing the torch match, similar to Bret Hart and Steve Austin in '97. You know, Austin won the Royal Rumble, didn't even get to fight for the world title, but he had, but he fought against Bret Hart. You know, and 
that was his moment. The next year, he beat Shawn Michaels, you know, and won the and won the title for his first time. Torch passing moment. So, you know, it's we need more of that. We need that type of we need that type of booking when it comes to really making new stars. And we and unfortunately we just don't have it. We, we just don't have it. Um, so. George Hackensmith and Frank Gotch. That was a. There you go. That's that's some history books for you. <laughs> but yeah, just just that torch passing moment. We need that, and uh, you know you can't have two upper mid carters doing it. You know, passing the torch because there's no neither of them have the torch to pass. So you need that staple main event guy to really give them the nod and give them the edge. To to become cemented main event people, and although it, although Ambrose and, and and Reigns are the two you know top with Cena out and Orton out and Daniel Bryan out, uh, those are the two top baby faces. It's just you need that guy to really elevate them. Yeah, well, you see, it's the John Cena syndrome. Is that when John Cena took over? They didn't. There wasn't multiple baby faces mm-hmm. that they would belt on. So I mean, it's it's a broken record as far as you know, pancake and power slams go. John Cena, as much accolades you want to give him, also kind of, or maybe it's just not him. It's just WWE. Vince McMahon just got really uptight and didn't want to give it to anybody else or let anybody else have a piece of the pie. Like you know, we've mentioned, you know, so many stars of the past could hold the title at any given moment. It'd be legitimate. It's not that way anymore, and the John Cena syndrome did that. Yeah, it did. You know, and, and you know, I'm sure that there's blame who you want. You know, like I said, I, I've talked to many wrestlers in my day, and um, John Cena had his favorites, has his favorites, and there's people that uh, wasn't too crazy about and. <laughs> Uh, they didn't. Unfortunately, they didn't get the. Uh, they they didn't get the spots that they probably should have gotten, or they were being built to get. Uh, but no, no matter how you put it, blame Cena, blame Creative, blame Vince, whoever. The bottom line is you don't have that new breed of talent. And like you said, it's a broken record. I've talked about this. You just don't have that new fresh breed of talent to. To really take the reins and, and take, you know, and be that those new guys. If John Cena, and I said this before, I said this this weekend too. If John Cena, and I, and, and I, yes, I have said this before on the show. It's, I remember when Taker and Austin was gone for a year. They both were injured. They both had injuries. They uh, Austin with the neck injury, Taker with a growing injury. They both were gone a year. WWE did not miss a beat with either of them gone. And and Austin's a Hall of Famer. He's in the Hall of Fame, and Taker's. I mean, he's a shoe in Hall of Famer. So you have a Hall of Famer and a soon-to-be Hall of Famer that missed a year in a time where they were definitely needed. They both missed a year, and nothing uh, nothing faltered because they were gone. If Cena missed a year in the WWE. Oh my goodness! I I don't know what would happen. Talk about, you know, your ratings getting below three million. 
it'll probably get below two million. Because you know, as more as as much as we aren't Cena guys, WWE has forced creative has forced us to revolve the company around Cena, and that's just basically what it boils down to. What year did the fake Razor Ramon and Diesel compete on a Survivor Series team? What year did the fake Razor Ramon and Diesel compete on a Survivor Series team? Speaking of Survivor Series teams, we have this random mystery 515, who's going to be the the 10 participants and we get Ryback, Lucha Dragons, and the Usos against Barrett, Sheamus, and the New Day. I have no idea why this was supposed to be a surprise. There's nothing surprising about this at all. I'm glad it was a you know traditional Survivor Series match. That was good. But the Survivors were Ryback, Jey Uso, and Kalisto. For some reason, they still want to push Kalisto. But I mean, you know, it was it was a decent match. It was. And this is another this is another point I made on the article that I wrote on WAWNation.com. Survivor Series traditional tag team matches were they were special. They were it, it was one of those things where two people were feuding with each other and they in Survivor Series was that pay-per-view that they were getting backup for. You know, they were still feuding, and they 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 got backup. I mean, the the whole point of Survivor Series was, you know, Andre the Giant feud with Hogan. That that was that was it. That was they did that. Hogan and Andre were feuding, and they decided to. Have Hogan get you know his boys, Andre get his boys. Hogan, Hogan had uh, Bam Bam. Cause I remember Bam Bam was the last person out uh, who Andre the Giant uh, eliminated. Bam Bam, Campatera, Paul Orndorff, and uh, and Don Morocco. Andre had King Kong Bundy, One Man Gang, Rick Rude, and Butch Reed. And so Hogan's like, I got four. Andre's like, I got four. Five on five. This is how we're gonna feud. I get my boys. You get my boy. You get your boys, and we're gonna, you know, we're gonna duke it out. And that's what. That's why it meant something because it was just a re- very interesting take on a continuing feud. Nowadays, you're just putting teams together just whimsically, and it doesn't mean anything because it's not a strong feud that's going on. And, and now you know I understand because last year was last year was good. Last year you had Team Rollins versus Team Cena, which was good. I like that. That was the main event, which should have been. And we need more of that. That's the traditional Survivor Series because so many times you just put teams together, and it just really doesn't mean much. But and, and this year, same, and that, that's how it was. There was no. I mean, last year was really, really good. It was. I mean, you you had the traditional Survivor Series main event, and this year it just went right back to just, you know, taking away the tradition and just having matches. You know, you had one 
traditional match on the card, and it really didn't mean anything. So what's the point of having Survivor Series if you're not going to make, you know, the tradition count, the traditional Survivor Series matches count? Like I said, last year was really good, you know, because it meant so much. You had the Survivor Series matches meant so much. Uh, 2013 was horrible, too. Because you had one traditional match. Well, you had two matches. No, you only had, there was only one traditional uh, tag team match in 2013. It was Team uh, Total Divas against the Anti-Divas, or the tr- Team True Divas. That that was your elimination match in 2013. It was horrible. And the main event was Orton against uh, Big Show. I mean, it's just absolutely ridiculous. Uh, so it just it didn't mean much at all, and we we if we're going to have the traditional Survivor Series, let's have a, a traditional Survivor Series. Yeah, and the thing is, they wouldn't have even even been able to have a traditional Survivor Series with Rollins hurting himself. So something would have been shaken up there. However, they didn't even before he hurt himself. They didn't book it to be a traditional Survivor right. Series, and I mean, and that's a problem because the Survivor Series is it's like. What if you're to have the Royal Rumble without the Royal Rumble? I mean, it's almost, you know, it's filler. The Survivor Series match now is just filler. And it just, it's another typical pay-per-view. It just doesn't mean anything. Again, yeah. we've said that a lot here with other pay-per-views, that are like Summer Slams and things like that. So it's, it's enough is enough. I mean, we won original Survivor Series, and I love the reference you made with the Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant. I mean, that, that's what it was. My boys against your boys. Let's, let's duke it out. But now it's it's nothing like that, and it's just an absolute shame. And the, yeah, the match was okay, but for the most part, it was boring. Yeah, ninety six is the correct answer. Great job. Uh, and then of course uh, ninety five for Goldust and Bam Bam Bigelow. Who won the WWE Championship at Survivor Series 94? Who won the WWE Championship at Survivor Series 94? Charlotte uh, Charlotte defeating Paige. I I just really don't understand how First of all, you have that ridiculous, you know, ending on Raw bringing in Reed Flair and then on top of that, you have just this match. After all of that, you have this match that just didn't do anything to back up it having a main event spot on Raw. It was just absolutely ridiculous to me. I I just really don't understand. You have over twenty writers, you know, on the WWE creative, and how how is it possible that you're not spending the time to really hone in on angles and making them suspenseful and engaging? And just as much as Charlotte against Paige had potential, to me it, it just it did not live up to it. it. It it wasn't a horrible match, but it wasn't a memorable match by any stretch. And the match, I mean, the Divas, I mean, obviously at all-time low. We're not interested anymore. The revolution's dead, and there's just nothing to do with it. I mean, heck, even Mick Foley is like, 
he's done with the WWE because now they've right. totally mishandled it. So, I mean, it, it's no different. I mean, it's still boring drivel hogwash. I and mean, I've never used that word before in my life, but I finally have. So, thank you, Pancakes <laughs> and Power Slam, to make me get hogwash reference out. I mean, it's just it's a disgrace. I don't even want to waste any much more time talking about it. I mean, the whole thing is just a debacle, and the whole Reed Flair. I'm, it, I didn't like it before the match even started. Yeah, I, I agree. Just pointless. Bob Backlund is the correct answer. Great job. I, I, you know, see that's the reason why I love the live stream over at www.nation.com and on Twitter because you guys know your stuff. You, you guys know your stuff. I have trivia a lot with my friends, and these people, you know. When I hang out with with wrestling fans, I hang out with wrestling fans. But as much as they love wrestling, you know, there's only a few people, probably a couple of people that I know. Derek's one of them. He's he's good in his trivia. There's only really a couple people I know that are good in trivia. And Ryan's another one. He's good in trivia, too. He's good in WWE trivia. And that's why I love talking wrestling to Derek and Ryan because they know their stuff. You know, you have other a lot of other of my wrestling, you know, friends, a lot of my wrestling friends, my close wrestling friends. They 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 watched the stuff back in the day, but they're not very good in trivia. And one thing I love about the the Pancakes and Power Slam show is that I am surrounded by trivia buffs and i absolutely love it it's awesome so don't let me down when i ask you the rock versus rikishi happened at which survivor series the rock versus rikishi happened at which survivor series i should release a trivia book i uh, <laughs> i agree you know what's so funny what's so what's so funny about that is that um Someone actually asked me to make a trivia app, and I think that that would be a fantastic idea. I just, uh, I just don't know how to make apps. I, I uh, looked at a tutorial one time, and it didn't seem like it was very difficult. But if someone knows how to make an app out there that's listening to the Pancakes and Power Sam show, contact me, CraveWrestling at Gmail dot com. Email me at CraveWrestling at gmail.com or go to Facebook and send an e-box, send an inbox to the Crave Wrestling Facebook page. If you know how to make an app, let me know. I literally have hundreds and hundreds of trivia questions, you know, just sitting around because I, I don't, I don't just throw away a lot of the trivia questions that I ask, and I literally write them down uh, and and ask them to you all. I, I sit there and, and just think about trivia and just write them down every week and and, and ask them and pose the, you know, pose the trivia questions to uh, the live audience. So, you know, I, that would be fantastic. So thank you for the suggestion. It has been noted. And, it, you know, it's just a confirmation that I should do something with all this trivia knowledge that I have. Uh, 2000 is the correct answer. Great job. Who won the WWE Women's Championship Survivor Series 1998? Who won the WWE Women's Championship? 
Tyler Breeze, Dolph Ziggler, like I said before, we, we both mentioned this uh, last week, there's no payoff to this feud. Sure, it's intended to put Breeze over, but Dolph Ziggler is not a strong enough name for Breeze to come up, you know, from NXT and just be over. That that Dolph Ziggler is not that strong enough of a name, uh, you know. Sorry, but he's just not. And you know, he's reached the ceiling for quite some time now. Uh, so feuding him with Ziggler made sense because they both have similar styles, but. It just, it's not going to help Breeze much by beating Dolph Ziggler. Dolph Ziggler just doesn't have that drawing power enough to, you know, feud against uh, Breeze, and that's it. So it's unfortunate because I like Ziggler, but he just doesn't have that that drawing power to to put someone over like they should. And Tyler Breeze beating Dolph Ziggler just doesn't really mean much. It doesn't mean much. It should mean more for the fact that Ziggler's put his time in and, you know, he's really should be better. That's a different subject. But I almost think Tyler Breeze has the, I hate to say this, but the Fondango effect. Too much at once. It's going to turn sour. I love Fondango. However, Tyler Breeze is just one of those, almost like a flash in the pan. I mean, I don't see him doing anything else. I mean, he'll be at the ranks of Bo Dallas and Adam Rose here in the next couple of weeks, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Hey, but Adam Rose and uh, Brad Maddox—they're trying to make some noise, you know, on, on main event. <laughs> They've got a, a team together, and and I like these Axel vignettes too. I, I like these, you know, it's Curtis Axel's trying to do something too, which is very interesting. Big, uh, here's a big question for you. Big trivia question. Name the participants in the Team WWE versus Team Alliance match. Survivor Series 2001. Name the participants. Who, which five people were on Team WWE? Which five people were on Team Alliance? Team WWE versus Team Alliance. Then we get the saving grace of the night to me. This was to me this was by far the best part of Survivor Series, hands down. And I've you know, I wrote in my article that I was very hesitant and I even said on my show I was very hesitant of why are they doing this for a tag team match and a tag team match only. I a simple tag team match. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Why are you you know, only choosing two people. Why can't you have a four-on-four? The wide family's four people. It just makes sense in Survivor Series. Then I, you know, throw, then I threw in a cane turn to, to for the sake of putting Bray Wyatt over because Bray Wyatt just loses all of his feuds. And so I was just throwing out ideas that would, protect Bray, I mean, they would protect The Undertaker, but put over Bray Wyatt, because if Bray Wyatt's just going to lose, it just, it wouldn't do much, but another Bray Wyatt lost. Uh, Another Bray Wyatt lost, but here's the thing, I think it worked, it worked because the emotional factor that it had within the 25-year promotion and focus of the event. It 
it just Kane had his own entrance, which was good. I was so glad that Kane had his own entrance, and I'm glad that Kane was along for the ride. You know, out of the 25 years that the Undertaker's been in the WWE, Kane has been there for 18 of the 25 years, and you know he went against the Undertaker at three WrestleManias. So, and that's a big deal. I mean, you know, 20 was he 21 and one now. And out of those, out of those three of those uh, feuds, three of those wins were, were against Kane, and that's that's a big deal. So, you know, just putting that emotional fact in there, the entrance was absolutely amazing. Just the many faces of the Undertaker, and just spending time and just really allowing us just to soak all of that in when he came in in his in his entrance. It was absolutely amazing. And just, they, it was kind of overcoming the odds. Undertaker and Kane, they have such an amazing history together. They overcame the odds of the Wyatt family, of, of four members of the Wyatt family. Rowan tried to come in there at first, and it was to, to no avail. Ended up being Harper and, and Bray Wyatt, which was definitely the best two people to use because those are the best two wrestlers of the four. And then, of course, Braun Strowman, Braun Strowman getting choke slammed uh, on the table. That was a good factor. Again, overcoming the odds, and it was it was good. It was a good emotional filled match of really Taker and Kane defying and overcoming the odds within the 25th anniversary. You know, here's your here's your here's your arch nemesis, the Wyatt family. Can you overcome these odds? And once again, Taker does it. And he brings his brother along with him, you know, to to go to war. So just the it was a it was a good comic book. You know, it, it was a it was a well written comic book of the arch nemesis, you know, going against the hero or even the anti hero, which a lot of times is the good guy too. So you have the hero and the anti hero who's the who's the good guy, and you have the arch nemesis who's the villain. You have this you have this comic book written scenario here, and I think it was very good that's the best way I can describe it, it was just a comic book written scenario between Taker and Kane against the Wyatt family and the comic book was intriguing it just it just really had me sucked in it really did, and I read the comic book at Survivor Series, and the comic book was excellent. Yeah, the comic book was great. You want to put that in plastic with the little cardboard in the back of it? Keep it forever because it was magical. It really was. And it was, the thing is, is the dead man, the Undertaker, I totally marked out. I thought I was like you know, 14 years old again. And with Kane coming out, like you said, with this separate entrance, I mean, the whole thing was grand. Yeah, what did I do for Wyatt? At that point, I didn't care. It was Undertaker's time. He executed, Kane executed. I mean, again, all the wrestling fans out there watched wrestling since 19, at least 1990 and now can respect that and know that you'll, you're probably not going to see that again. Or if you do, it's going to be a couple more times, and that's it. So, again, comic book finished, like you just said, awesome soap opera. And uh, I marked out and got all smiley and giggly, so that was my biggest takeaway from Summer or Survivor Series. I almost said yeah. SummerSlam because I think he did, so. Stop that. <laughs> yeah, Taker Taker definitely was uh 
stronger at uh, and looked better. He looked in better shape too at, at Survivor Series too. So yeah, Taker's twenty two and one. Absolutely twenty two and one. And the correct answer is indeed um great job. Team WWE was the Rock, Jericho, Taker, Kane and Show. Team Alliance was Austin, Angle, McMahon, Shane McMahon. Uh, RVD and Booker T. Great job. Awesome, awesome job. Um, and then we have Roman Reigns and Dean Ambrose. One, the match was was uh, short. It, it, it was definitely short. And I was talking to Ryan earlier, and I was uh, and we, we we text wrestling all the time back and forth. And so I was I was, you know, he he was a little hesitant about. Uh, this match being a main event, and I and I said, you know, I wasn't too, I, I wasn't too drawn back by this match being the main event because when Ambrose becomes heel, which he should become heel, uh, a heel Ambrose versus Roman Reigns would have that much more of a stronger backstory. So I'm okay with it. I'm I'm okay with this match being at the end. It was just abbreviated, though. I just don't. See why it was. I know that it probably was because of time constraints. And here's the most predictable of it all. Now I tweeted that Seamus. I think it was a couple weeks ago that I tweeted Seamus was going to cash cash in the 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 money in the bank. That was definitely one of the most plausible scenarios. But I think it was like ten thirty eight. When the you know Reigns won, the confetti was coming out, and I said, "Okay, yeah, there's still around 20 minutes left in, in the show," which I don't understand. You have a three-hour pay-per-view, but Raw is at least three hours and five minutes every week. I just it just doesn't make sense. Why is Raw longer than the pay-per-view? I'm paying to see matches but raw is longer i know you have the commercials and developing angles and things like that which first of all you're not really developing angles and i understand the commercials pay the bills but at the same time it still doesn't make much sense to me why you have overruns the the weekly shows is is the weekly shows are, are longer than the pay-per-views it just doesn't make any logical sense to me why would i want to watch a pay-per-view or why would I be intrigued to watch a pay-per-view and I'm, if just, you know, it's shorter than than Raw. But I, I knew that it was that it was something was happening because there was still at least a solid 15 minutes left, enough for another match. So when Triple H came out, there was a couple things going on in my head. You know, initially I was like, yeah, Sheamus cash in, but uh, – the hard camera shots kind of kind of tell it a little bit kind of kind of it kind of uh foreshadows something happening and they kind of had a couple hard camera shots on on Dean Ambrose you know a perfect hard camera shot for a dirty deeds or something like that so and he didn't when the confetti and the in the fireworks came out he still didn't go all, I didn't see him go to the back I saw him go towards more towards the uh, where the ring, um, the bell, and the, and the timekeeper was. So, 
it was two things I was thinking about. Either one, just a bum rush from from Dean Ambrose, and there you go. Or the most, you know, like I said, the most plausible option was, you know, Sheamus. And that's what we got. We got Sheamus. This is the reason why I was okay with the finish. Again, Sheamus cashing in was just, it was predictable and it was just ridiculous to me because, like I said in my article, Sheamus has the charisma of a dead mosquito. So Sheamus being champ just makes things much worse. But I just don't want the belt on Reigns. Uh, you know, people know that I was, I'm a solid, solid, solid Roman Reigns apologist. And, and people know that, you know, 191 episodes. If you've watched, if you've listened to three or four of them, uh, first of all, thank you and listen to more. If you, But if you've only, if you're a, a new listener to the Pancakes and Power Slam show, you probably know that I'm a Roman Reigns apologist. But I always have that WWE Booker mentality in my head. And I am a traditionalist. I like the slow builds. I like how Sting was wrestling in class of the champions, and it took him just about a year, you know, or even really two, uh, one to two years to really have a slow build into becoming uh, NWA uh, World Heavyweight Champion in 1990. So you have those slow builds, and I and again I say Austin. He won the Royal Rumble in '97, didn't win the title until almost a year and a half later. You know, slow build by Austin, slow build. You know, I love slow burns, and that's that's the way to develop a character is to have them have a slow burn into becoming. An established main eventer. I absolutely love that strategy, and I really think it's a tried and true method. And that's the reason why I don't want Roman Reigns to touch a world title. And so I was happy that Roman Reigns, uh, you know, they they took the title off of Reigns, but just Sheamus is just not the guy. And I'm happy that he washed his his case at this time because I definitely don't want him to have it at Mania. But, you know, who knows? Mania is only, you know, less than (laughs) – Mania is, what, four and a half months away? So, no, actually, yeah, Mania is about four and a half months away, a little less than four and a half months away. So, (laughs) Sheamus could keep it for that long. That would be unfortunate. But at least don't have it toward Mania. I just don't want him to have it at that time. Just watch the case, get rid of it. And lose it, lose the title soon. Rumble somewhere, just lose the title. Um, but I'm, I'm happy that it washed the case off of Sheamus, and I'm happy that it continued the slow build of Roman Reigns. I can agree with that. I mean, you hit the nail on the head when it was uh, it was so it was unexpected for that to kind of happen, and uh, that was kind of like you never know what's going to happen. Anything can happen in the world wrestling entertainment. But uh, Sheamus being the champion, I think it kind of sucks, but I can see why they did it, just to give it a few more months, again, for Reigns to kind of still build. And it's, I don't know, I'm, I'm not on board with it. It just, it's kind of, you'll give the belt to anybody. It just doesn't deserve it. And Sheamus is like one of those. You said he's a dead mosquito. The guy's got nothing. And 
evidently the WWE wants to put the title on him for a little bit and see where it goes. I mean, you think you wonder why your ratings are dropping? Nobody cares to see this guy as a champion. But, I mean, that's the best solution that they had at the time. That, from what I understand, is a last-minute decision. But I guess the same thing with uh, Seth Rollins. So, and that worked out well, good enough to bring him this far. So, uh, Sheamus with the title, sure, it's not believable. And it's not going to last very long. There's no way it can. So, I mean, Roman Reigns has definitely got to be the guy to have it. And he'll take it eventually, I'm sure. Yeah. Big announcement coming up. Bring what you got. The measuring stick just changed around here, buddy. You're looking at it. Four corners. Three. On mine. Let's go. The whole squad is making it clear we taking this year. You know who we are, but you don't know why we here. So this is where the big boys play. These big boys play like who defies the living God. Get out the big boys' way. Outsiders with the swoop in. We live as kings. You see in us, but our third man waits in the wings. And when the time is right, we shock him with the proper attack. I go for Dolo, but ain't solo. Cut the promo in black. Hollywood, Hendrix, Prizzle, pinning them. To the max. And I'm Das Wonderkin with the strength of a hundred men. With one intent to see the will fulfilled of the one who sent his son to give himself. But you rap about your gas and your rags torture. White coffins when I drop a bomb. My mic's awesome. Never lost faith. You in all space. You can all skate, suffer, but never cripple. No bin walls in my cross face. From here to Saturday, Raven, anticipating. I was frostbit, now I am glacier. Mixed with some Vader. Get to hawking with these animals using. God for my defense in Alabama, we jamming. That's beautiful, Bobby Eaton. Me and Priest, we the dangerous alliance. Nah, the Harlem Heat. Tie the do rag before we do battle. You're talking sheep. You all what you speak. This too sweet. Till the number is took back. We repping that wolf pack. The foundation shaking, no mistaking. Yeah, we shook that. Trusting God, we trust. Pushing forward, never look back. Meekness ain't at all weakness. Some people mistook that. Stamping out this crook rap. He turning the power. We're on, on the razor's edge, leg drop after a power bomb. Tired of the lies, man. We bringing the truth through. Diligent and fruitful, the owners in our group too. It's good to be king. Sold out this war is brutal. We playing them war games. Our army go move too. You too. I'm in the Raptors with a bat in my hand. And stand to shatter all your plans so they don't matter. In the grand scheme, it's that easy. We tag teaming, Steiner brothers, we love it, demand the win, establish it, this the clash of the champions. <laughs> this is where the big boys play, huh? We ain't here to play. Ladies and gentlemen, mark your calendars. Mark your calendars, mark your calendars. Um, the December 15th and December 22nd. Right now, these are two dates we have locked in for our next interviews. We might have one even sooner, but December 15th, December 22nd. December 15th, we have former ECW champion, former Cruiserweight champion, former tag team champion of the legendary Guerrero family, Chavo Guerrero, will be live Pancakes and Power Slam show, December 15th, Chavo Guerrero, ladies and gentlemen. It is going to be a blast to have him live on the show. December 22nd, 
one half of the best tag team of the business. The Fallen Angel, Christopher Daniels, will be live on the show December 22nd. So again, mark your calendars, and we'll announce these. Uh, we'll announce these guests again uh, within the next uh, few weeks. Again, December 15th, Chavo Guerrero. December 22nd, the Fallen Angel, Christopher Daniels, and two two wrestlers who I I, I particularly like. Immensely, very, very good wrestlers. Two of the best wrestlers that anyone could ever have. So, again, Chavo Guerrero, Christopher Daniels, they will be live on the Pancakes and Power Slam show in December. I'm excited, Derek. I think I'm excited. I mean, this is the first time I've heard of this. Are you kidding me? Chavo Guerrero, I just... Absolutely blows my mind. Christopher Daniels, the fallen angel. I love it when he takes his hood off his head, his bald head. <laughs> this is amazing. I mean, this is pancakes and power slams, ladies and gentlemen. We've had so many interviews now. I mean, it's it's. I shouldn't be surprised that we've got somebody like this coming on because, I mean, this is where it is. I mean, Bruno San Martino could be on here next week. You don't know. Anything could happen. Jesse the Body mm-hmm. Ventura is probably in the books right now. So... We've got you covered. Pancakes and power slams. This is it. This is where you need to be to hear all the best inside stuff. I mean, we've got nowhere to go but up. This is ah. the interviews just keep coming and coming and coming, and I'm just still flabbergasted at each one. This is the place Absolutely. to be. The new Tuesday night. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Absolutely. So yes, absolutely. I'm I'm very very excited about. Um, these interviews, I'm, I'm sure, definitely with Christopher Daniels, but I'm sure with there's going to be so much rich substance with Chavo Guerrero, and he's very excited to be on the show. So, and so am I for him to be. Next question: Who was the special guest referee for the Cena versus Angle match, Survivor Series 2005? Who was the special referee for the Cena versus Angle match Survivor Series 2005 for the WWE Championship? We're going to have more Survivor Series trivia next week. We just got so much Survivor Series, so I would encourage you to uh, you know do your history, watch some stuff, and and get ready. Davari, very quick answer there. Davari, who I interviewed last week. Davari is the correct answer. All right, let's uh, get through Raw here. The Authority in-ring promo introduces Sheamus. Sheamus cuts a promo, interrupted by Roman Reigns. Issues a challenge to Sheamus. Reigns stands up to Triple H, gets attacked by Rusev, and bro kicked by Sheamus. Triple H books Reigns versus Sheamus in a TLC match at TLC. Um, Lou Harper and Bray Wyatt defeat the Dudley Boys, and the Dudleys get just... Demolished by the Wyatt family, so maybe we're seeing riots versus Dudley, Dudley boys. That that wouldn't be too bad. Sasha Banks defeating uh, Becky Lynch. That's the uh, match that Mick Foley got very upset about, <laughs> to the point of saying that he might not watch Raw again. New Day uh, cuts an in-ring promo, celebrates their one-year anniversary, and issues an open challenge. Lucha Dragons come out in the Usos. 
Uh, Neville defeating uh, Mark Henry, and Mark Henry shaking Neville's hand afterwards as if that's going to make it a difference. Mark Henry just continues to lose. He's a face, he's a heel. He loses, he loses. He just, again, what's the point of Mark Henry being there? Goldust and primetime players defeating Stardust in the Ascension. The State of Mex-American Address with uh, Coulter and ADR interrupted by Jack Swagger. So it looks like they're going to either have this feud or have Swagger join them. Who cares? Paige versus Charlotte. Uh, that's a double KO. Paige, PTO, Charlotte on the table. Ryback defeating Heath Slater. He finally gets his spot. Ambrose and Ziggler defeating Breeze and Owens. And then the finals uh, is Roman Reigns uh, defeating the Rusev by disqualification. Um, not a, not a very good Raw at all, and um, makes perfect sense because the lowest non-holiday ratings, and you know, it's a it's a record low. It's under three million. You have under three million viewers now and that is just absolutely mind-boggling to me i remember when you know raw raw and smackdown uh, raw and nitro were in the sixes i mean just when you're when you're doing more than double what you did uh what you know in the past if you did you're doing more than double um then you are now. I mean, that's a real something's wrong. I mean, yeah, you can understand. Yeah, you can blame it on the the, uh, the just the evolution of people just not being as interested in pro wrestling. But I think that's a cop out answer. I, I definitely think it's a cop out answer because at the end of the day, if it's interesting, people will like it. That that just boils down. I mean, you can say the same thing about you know NFL or Super Bowl or you know or playoffs or world series i mean you know you there's they've been doing that for decades so i really don't think you can say yeah i understand the times have changed the you know the 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 people who were diehard fans 15 years ago during the attitude era they've gotten older or they you know or they just don't like wrestling as much anymore but to me, again, that's a cop-out answer because what about the new, you know, what about the new breed who were in their teens and twenties, like the people who were in, you know, in the teens and twenties, you know, back in the Attitude Era, like Derek and I, we were in our teens and twenties in the Attitude Era, and you know, what about the people now that are in their teens and twenties that can watch wrestling? You know, they're we just because it's a new day doesn't mean that numbers have to decline. In fact, there's more people in the world than there were 15 years ago. So, to me, like like a like I said, to me, it's a cop out answer. Um, the the bottom line is WWE is in a state of emergency, I believe. Because, like I said on the article, like I said, when I when I broke this news on WAWNation.com and PWmania.com and on the Crave Wrestling Facebook page, 
I wrote an editor's note, and I, what I said was after a while, you'll start to get a niche market, and I love ROH. I I, I would say ROH is probably my favorite promotion, from uh, on, on televised promotion. Uh, of course, I like the glitz and glamour of WWE. I like the entertainment factor, but from a wrestling, pure wrestling perspective, ROH is my favorite. And it's like ROH is a niche market, and they're okay with that. And I and I think it's smart. They they're not really, you know, suited for casuals. And Sinclair and company get it; they understand that, and they're fine with it, and 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 that's smart. But WWE, they got too much, and they got too much at stake to not to not reach the casuals. And when you're dropping below three million viewers, not only are the casuals going away, but you have the diehard fans going away now too. So something is losing your casuals. And now something's losing your diehard fans. So they're at a state of emergency, and something needs to happen before you get to a point where that starts to trim down more and more and more, and you won't be able to sell out those WrestleMania venues. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I I can't – after seeing Monday Night Raw last night, you bring up good points where we were in our teens and 20s. And it's still, to this day – there's, I don't know who I would be behind if I'd even be interested in wrestling like I was back then because it was just so cutting edge. You had people you wanted to get behind, the NWO and DX and Stone Cold and The Rock. You don't have those people anymore. John Cena is not those people. Rusev, right. Ziggler, none of those people are that. Randy Orton, the same thing. There's nobody exciting. I like the New Day, but I don't necessarily want to get their T-shirt and Trounce it around because that's just not. I don't believe in it like I used to, and it's. But I still have that wrestling mind where I understand it, I love it, I know what it is, but I, it doesn't have that personal interest in me to where I have to have that merchandise. So, I'm still a kid at heart and I love wrestling, but it just it's not. I don't. I don't have that same enthusiastic feeling, and it's just it's because of the product nowadays, and there's just no. It's so far from the indie scene that it's just disgusting. And I can honestly see ROH. I mean, forget about it. They're the best thing out there. And if you can see it whenever you watch it, that's the way it is. That's the way to go. WD's is too saturated and corporate. And yeah, that's very true. Scary. They're too corporate. What Survivor Series did Hyden-Reich compete against The Undertaker? What Survivor Series did Hyden-Reich and I did the arm motion, by the way. <clears throat> what Survivor Series did Heidenreich compete against The Undertaker? Real quick, let's spend about a couple minutes on the Flavor of the Week coming right up. It is now time for the Flavor of the Week! is the correct answer. Great job. Real quick. State of the money in the bank, and there's the cash-ins and people just like people like uh, Cena winning and losing, Sandow winning and losing, you know, win, winning the money in the bank and losing, you know, just the, the state of the money in the bank. And we'll talk more about this next week too, because I think this is, <clears throat> I think this deserves a little bit more time than what we can put into it tonight. But 
just the state of the money in the bank these days is just I remember when it used to be so amazing to when the money in the bank was at on, on WrestleMania. It was a, a part of the spectacle. It was it was that suspense match. That's why I love the Royal Rumble because it's it's not predictable. The, the whole point is if for it to not to be predictable. But you have these these winners in the past few years that they're either already on you know top guys, which a Money in the Bank win doesn't mean anything and shouldn't happen, or there are people like Damian Sandow that loses you know the the Money in the Bank. And it just doesn't make much sense to me. So, real quick, there, just let me know your thoughts on the state of the money in the bank concept. Money in the bank concept, I enjoy it, but again, it it takes away from because you get what you had last night. You get what you had with Seth Rollins, and granted, Seth Rollins' money in the bank win at WrestleMania kind of worked, but in a way, it didn't because we're at the state where we are now, where it's just it, it's. He's gone. What's the WWE going to do now? Okay, so they bring in Sheamus, and Sheamus is now the champion. It's, there's nothing really – they should probably almost do away with it because it holds no merit, especially when you have Sandow and people like that winning. There's no chance that they're ever going to get the championship, and they lose. I mean, that's just absolutely ridiculous. I'm just – it's kind of a stale concept. I mean, the briefcase is cool carrying around and, you know, oh, I'm going to – give it in here but again it's somebody that doesn't you don't deserve to be in the title picture at the moment and it's almost like just an easy cop out for the WWE just to change the storyline real quick so yeah all in all it's just it doesn't it's a pay-per-view you win the money in the bank good for you but don't expect too much out of it there's been a few cases like I said Rollins had a great run with it but other than that it's not really my cup of tea and it's almost time to kind of get rid of the idea yeah, and I, you know what? And that's sad because I like the Money in the Bank. I like Money in the Bank. I like the concept, but it's been diluted and watered down so much. And I remember the days. I mean, I remember Edge wanted. It took him what nine months to cash it in. Uh, Ziggler, you know, it took him what ten months, uh, I think, to cash it in. When he cashed it in at uh, after um, uh, WrestleMania against Alberto Del Rio, so. It, it it's been watered down so much that people who win it aren't having good enough builds to get it. You know, to you you should win the money in the bank. And I like the year. I like the year idea. You have a year. The you have a year to uh, cash it in. And so that would be perfect for a mid-card guy or an upper mid-card guy to win the Money in the Bank to become champion. Because while you're in Money in the Bank, you can still vie for the mid-card title. You can still vie for the tag team title. I understand how I understand that, that the WWE wants people to kind of forget about the Money in the Bank so they won't be so excited for or so impatient for it to, to be cashed in. I get it. But you're still supposed to develop the talent and to continue to have them lose matches. I remember when Daniel Bryan was like that, Sandow, Sheamus. You're having people just lose just time after time after time while having the case. How in the world does that develop 
or mature someone's character if they're losing while they have the money in the bank. That just makes absolutely no sense. Time permitting, we'll, we'll talk more about this next week. I definitely think it uh, deserves a little bit more discussion about it. But a great, awesome, awesome time today. Thank you so much for the awesome interaction at www.nation.com. Great, great interaction. As always, got some scholars over there. And, of course, on Twitter, at Crave Wrestling. Like our page on Facebook, Crave Wrestling. Until next week, everyone, thank you so much. God bless. Enjoy your week of wrestling. Until next week. Bye-bye. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.